This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. I am your regular host, Brendan Nunez, and I have my regular co-host, Rich Ivanowski, with me today. And I wanted to start off by saying congrats on getting into Sac State, Rich. I saw you put out that tweet, a little bit of your story that was inspiring and just a great read. But congratulations on getting into Sac State, man. Hey, thank you, dude. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. And... I know we're trying to do the same thing. You're a step ahead of me here. And let's dive into these point guards for the Sacramento Kings. I think we got a couple backup options that we're looking at. We know that this is a big need for the Kings this offseason. Yeah, I think free agency is going to be a really fun topic for Kings fans right now. Obviously, we've got the finals to entertain us. But aside from that, you know, we got about five, six months of uh, not much action except for free agency, especially without a uh, first round pick. So yeah, we wanted to start today with point guards. What are you, what are you seeing as the need here? Well, the three main aspects, I guess, of a guy would be his vision, sort of playmaking handles kind of falls under that defense and shooting. I feel like those are the three things that I really value but it's more so about the order of them. I feel like defense is what I'm really looking for. I'm looking for a quality defender, someone that can really set the tone in that second unit defensively, and a capable shooter. So I guess third on my list would be the playmaking, and I think that's because I'm good with Bogey having the ball in his hands a little more. Agreed. This is a good question, getting into Bogey. So he has played that creation role for the Kings. I think that we both agreed he's better as a two. Totally fine for him to have the ball in his hands, but I see him more successful as a spot up guy than a pull up guy. Um, he can, you know, he can create a little bit, but you know, when it comes to having uh, a backup point guard here, it's not that I'm looking for him to be able to create his own shot that much. I want him to create yeah. shots for others. I want him to defend well, that's a big thing for me. Um, so yeah, and you know, and then it, again, like you said, you want him to be able to knock down open shots, but that's not the end of the world if he's if he's not a great scorer. Okay. So it sounds like you got defense at the front there. I think so. Yeah, I, I would say because I, I think Bogey struggles with that guarding opposing point guards. He's not the best point of attack defender. Uh, yeah, defense and leadership and just. 
being able to get into the offense, run the offense, take the, the ball out of Bogey's hands. Yeah. And the money that the Kings are looking at this offseason is about 33 and then potentially up to $38 million if they restructure that Barnes contract like we kind of project they will. How much money are you ideally looking to spend at this backup point guard? And then we'll, after you, your ideal, we'll also say the most you're willing to spend here. Right. So ideally, I think around eight to 10 million for a backup one, because yeah. again, we got to think about how many minutes are really available. And to me, it, it tops out around 24 where I can see with the fit with Fox and Buddy and Bogey as other guards. I, I It's hard for me to see uh, more than 24 minutes for any of these players. So I don't want to spend more than 10 million on that ideally. However, if we're talking a real elite option, I would go up to a maximum of about $12.5 million. Really? Okay, so I'm going to test you on this a little later because my number one guy, I don't want to. I'm in the exact same ideal range as you of 8 to 10 in there. But I think that if I really need to, I'm not minding throwing $15 million for a year or two at mainly just my number one option. And we'll get into who that is. But like we said, 33 to 38 million. I mean, the three roles you need is this point guard, backup point guard, backup wing, and then a starting center. So you would assume that most of your money's going to that backup point guard starting center. I there, I guess there's only one guy that I'd be willing to go up to 15. And maybe we can just hop into it here. It's the top of my list. And the first tier of point guards that are available, I feel like, are very clearly too expensive for the Kings. We're looking for a backup point guard. You know, the starting guys available are Kyrie, Kemba, D'Lo. Um, and that's just not realistic. But the very first guy on my list of tiers of reasonable guys for the Sacramento Kings is Patrick Beverly. And I feel like it's the same for you. That's my number one option this offseason in general. So Patrick Beverly is a great starting place. I think that he is a favorite uh, amongst Kings Nation, to be sure. We talked about defense being one of the the main needs for the backup one position. He definitely has that in spades. He's also a very underrated shooter. Yes. Y- you know, I wouldn't have guessed that he was around 40% from three the past four years, but yeah. that's what he's doing. And on a decent volume, he's shooting, shooting more threes than Fox, making more threes than Fox. So... If you bring him off the bench, you've got an upgrade on defense. Uh, perhaps that goes away as De'Aaron gets better and better on defense, but you've got an upgrade in shooting, and perhaps that goes away too. But, you know, you don't have the speed, the athleticism, the leadership, the shot creation. It's But it's, it's you know, Beverly really does a little bit of all of it. I wonder, so for you, does Beverly stand out here in his own tier? Because I um, I tweeted out, a list of free agent point guards and how I felt that they would uh, end up getting paid and, and the fit that they would provide for Sacramento. And like you said, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, D'Angelo Russell were at the top of that list. And there's no real point in discussing them because it's not, it's not going to happen. It's, I don't think there's interest from either side there, but this uh, next group of guys, does, does Beverly stand out to you above Ricky Rubio, Derek Rose, Corey Joseph, and Darren Collison? In regards to the Kings or just class of player? 
Uh, let's start with class of player. It's a lot closer. I think that you can put Beverly on that same level as Rubio, class of player. I mean, Rubio on that same level as Beverly, if you're talking just how they are as players and not fit for the Kings. But that's probably the only one. And then if we're talking just Kings, then I think Beverly's completely on his own for me. Right. So getting King specific, I don't think that you can take a look at Derek Rose or Darren Collison because, well, you know, quite frankly, the Kings PR has, you know, the, their public relations team has a lot to deal with right now. And Collison had some stuff happen in Sacramento and Rose has had some stuff as well. I, I don't think that the, I would not like to see either of them brought back. I can, I can understand. I can understand why the Kings wouldn't be interested. So striking them from the list from now, for now, Rubio and Joseph feel to me like pretty comparable options. Yeah, so if we're talking tier one, I put Beverly there. And then my tier two was Rubio, Joseph, and at the very end of it, that was kind of in between two and three, I put Sadoransky. Oh, interesting. So let's talk a little bit more about Rubio and Joseph because Rubio had a terrible, terrible year. Um, it's it's kind of tough to say that because he was the starting point guard for a playoff team. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like his his efficiency was very poor offensively. Yeah. He's not really a shooter at all. You know, he can Can't facilitate play off ball. Like his usage is insane. Right. Right. He's he can facilitate an offense just fine. You know, he's a part of a very strong defense, but I don't feel personally that he is a factor of it. Like he you know, he can run within it and he's he's yeah. totally fine. Like on defense he's totally fine. And he's got, you know, he's got the right size. I think this is another thing that we probably should have mentioned as far as a need for the Kings point guard goes. Back at point guard is just that you can't really have the the problem with Yogi Ferrell. It's not that he's not a decent player. It's that it becomes problematic having him in these matchups. And I don't know. He's got the size. He doesn't have the shooting. We talked about the passing. He's a pretty good passer, but I I don't know. I, I could see him also getting paid just to start somewhere. I could see Rubio or Beverly just getting paid up to 15 million on whatever yeah. team, you know, the Phoenix Suns just need a point guard, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think part of it is that if you look at the bench unit, two of the main guys there are going to be Bogdanovich and Giles, both guys that really like the ball in their hand. And I like having the ball in their hand as well. So I really need my backup point guard to be able to play off ball. And Rubio does not do that. He's probably the worst on this list. I mean, up there, if we're talking sort of these top two tiers and that's, that's a big part of it for me. That really turns me off there. I think that he's able to run that, run the offense, but I don't just don't need the ball in his hands as often. And I also saw an interview from him that was translated over from Spanish saying that he really is looking for a starting job. And that's obviously not going to happen here. I think that he might get a chance to get that elsewhere. I don't think it's in Utah. Um, so I don't know. Rubio just, I, I'm not too high on him. And like you said, I think the money's going to be up there. I, I'm passing on Rubio. Okay, interesting. So Corey Joseph is 
a guy who I feel like could start somewhere. But again, you know, he has flaws to his game as well. He's not a very good offensive player. He, I mean, he played 82 games, 25 minutes a game, average 6.5 points. That's, you know, it's not the points per game is not the end all be all of anything, but that definitely tells you something. Um, he's not a great shooter. You know, he's, he's okay. Uh, 33% on his career. Like he can shoot. It's just not, it's not a great option. It's, it's not a good shot for the Kings. He, has some decent size, six three. He's a great defender, though. I think he's one of the better, one of the best point guard defenders in the game. Agreed. I see this as being one of the more likely options in regards to what I think will happen. And like you said, I really value that defense. I mean, I said it at the start. That's my number one thing I'm looking for. And also being a capable shooter. Like you said, only 32% from deep last year. It's not good by any means of it. But he's capable. I mean, if he's in the corner, he can hit a three. And I think that he cuts decently. He doesn't demand the ball in his hands. You see him move okay off ball. I'm okay on Joseph. One big hesitation here, though, is his free throw shooting compared to some of these other guys hurts. And that's a big thing for the Kings. I mean, sitting at barely under 70% last year, it's not something that's going to make me not sign the contract if it's the right price, but that definitely stands out to me. Yep, that's a great point. He, you know, he can defend the one of the two, but he's not going to really give you plus offense at the one of the two. So, yeah, yeah, I I agree with you that Beverly kind of stands on his own here. Um, Who else would you put? Is Joseph your second guy? He is. And I kind of want to touch on Beverly a little bit more if you're all right with that. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, A couple Jovan Buha quotes that I found that really stood out, who's the athletic cover for the Clippers. He said that he was the best rebounder for the Clippers in 2018-19. Not even pound for pound, just straight up the best rebounder. And he goes after boards a crazy amount. I think that's a nice plus. He also said that he was the Clippers in 2018-19. I think we all felt that watching that Golden State series. And that is tremendous value for me. The intensity and he's going to make these other guys, he's going to hold them accountable and plays amazing off ball most of the time. I saw them running three guard lineups with like Ty Wallace, Shea Gilgis, Alexander and Patrick Beverly. And he, after December 15th, shot 44% from deep. He's a great three point shooter. I mean, I'm just all about this guy. Like when he's running an offense, a pick and roll, anytime anyone goes under, he's pulling the three, hitting it at a good rate. One interesting note was that he's not the same on ball defender that he used to be, that he's a lot better at off ball right now. The speed isn't quite there. I notice him getting blown past a lot and sometimes getting lost on screens. But the off-ball defense, a lot of times the Clippers were making him, like I said, running those three-guard lineups and having him guard the small forward, like uh, Mo Harkless, or we saw him on Kevin Durant, even guys like Paul George. So the versatility of being able to guard one to three is huge there. But it, it's not as much, you know, picking up full court and keeping up with these super-fast point guards. Absolutely. And versatility is going to come into play big time when we're talking about money, because 
like we said, if you're going to get big minutes from the Kings, you, you've got to have some size and versatility as well because there aren't going to be a ton of just pure backup point guard minutes. You know, Darren's going to have to play 30 to 36 minutes a game, um, you know, maybe even more in the playoff scenario. And so you can't just pay a guy who's going to come in and play 10 to 18 minutes a game. You can't pay that guy $15 million. So yeah. a guy like Beverly who can – come in, play the two when he needs to, even defend a three, come in like that, get some wing versatility as well as big. Joseph's got that a little bit. Um, I don't know that he could get out to the three, but uh, one of the stat I'll just throw out there for these guys, they're both very highly rated in defensive RPM, uh, the ESPN stat. So Joseph finished fourth among 102 point guards. Beverly finished sixth. That's uh, on defense. But then the big division here comes on offense. Uh, Joseph was down at 54th among the point guards on offensive RPM, and Pat Bev is way up there at 23rd. Okay, that makes sense. And I think, like you said, versatility, but also impact. That's the reason that Beverly is on his own tier compared to Rubio for me. I think that just the impact that he's going to have on the floor on the other team and our team, obviously mainly, mainly think in the defensive end, just nobody else is going to change the game when they check in. Like I feel like Beverly would be able to out of these backup points. I agree. And just love him as a player, love his presence, love the leadership. Yeah. One last thing I'll mention about these guys before we move on. Uh, we should probably throw out their ages as well. So Beverly is yes. 30 and Joseph is 27. Are you currently paying off student debt, interested in improving your financial literacy, or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Did you agree that Beverly was Tier 1 if we're talking Sacramento? If we're talking Sacramento, I think he's Tier 1, and I don't – yeah, I think he's alone in Tier 1. Okay, and then who's your Tier 2? You said Rubio, Joseph. So I got – so – in this, you've convinced me to throw Rubio out. I think you're right that I think he's just going to be a bottom five starting point guard somewhere, and there's yeah. not enough minutes. The fit isn't as ideal. I'd rather get someone cheaper and someone who has less desire to play 30 minutes a night. Um, so my tier two would probably start with Corey Joseph. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned Tomas Sadoransky. I think that he's probably pretty high in this too. I'm going to throw, so George Hill, I think is a good option for a lot. He's playing, he played very well in the playoffs. I think he's a great option for a lot of teams. I don't think he's the right option for the Kings for obvious reasons. He was here recently. Didn't work out well. If not for that, he'd be great. (laughs) If not for we are us already knowing it went terribly. Yeah. I mean, there are way, there are you know there are there are times where a guy can come back to a team uh, yeah. and it works out, but I don't mindset. feel I don't feel like rolling those dice here. So Hill's not going to be on this list for me. So I I think I'd put Sadoransky and maybe Terry Rozier in this in this tier with Corey Joseph. Interesting. I like the Rozier idea. I guess I just didn't consider him because I think that 
he, I know you put him at 7.5 million. I think that he's up in that 12 and a half kind of range. I think that some team is going to give him a lot of money, even though he had that down year last year. And I just think he's going to end up starting somewhere. Someone's going to throw him more money than we'd be willing to. I think that that's, I think that that's, that's what we all thought in the middle of the year. I think he's ruined it. I think that he had a bad year. I think that he had a bad run in the playoffs. And I think that he's had a bad post playoffs look going on definitely TV and talking all this, yeah. talking all this yay about leaving the Celtics. And I, I don't know, dude. I mean, it, and, and really he's, let's think about this. This is one of, this is a good thought exercise here. What teams actually need a starting point guard? Like actually, other than the Phoenix Suns, which we've established. Yeah. Who actually needs a certain point guard? Well, and the issue with Rozier is he can't run an offense. He can hit shots and play defense, but he can't pass the ball at all. The other team I've always thought and of... And he can't even really hit shots. I'll point that out as well. Yeah, it, it's it's a little streaky there at times. The team I've always thought of has been the Orlando Magic. I think that he could be a decent fit there, but the playmaking definitely is an issue like we talked about. I don't know. I mean, the guy was going out and saying... I'm, I'm going to be a star point guard in this league or that I already am a star point guard in this league was pissed to be playing behind Kyrie Irving. So how's he going to feel playing behind Darren Fox? It's a very good point. I, I think that the magic is a great team to bring up, but as far as hitting shots, this dude made less than 39% of his, of all of his shots last year from That's the field. Crazy. That's very, very low. And it's not that he's a great three-point shooter. I mean, no. he had, but he's a, a rhythm guy. Like I bet you, it's very different when he's cons- when he's playing twenty-five minutes plus compared to what fifteen at night. Like he just he's not a guy that can just come off the bench and then instantly be in his rhythm. He needs more minutes in a rotation. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that at all. I don't think there are guys that shoot, you know, thirty-five percent off the bench and then come into the come to to a starting spot and shoot 40%. I don't think that that's how that works, honestly. I understand that, but I've just kind of seen it with Terry. Like it's crazy. It it has to be a mental thing, obviously, but it, it's just like starter Terry was just a completely different level. I get it on a small sample size of a, you know, 12 games, 5 yeah. games, 20 games, 15 games, but as far as a team looking at him Paying him like a four-year contract to start, that's – I don't believe that like that's – okay, well, no one's going to invest in him like, yeah, he's he's a 38% from the field shooter. But if we start him, he'll be a 44% from the field shooter the rest of his career. Like that's – I don't yeah, think that's – that's fair. Percentage-wise, yeah, I get that. Uh, but tell me a little bit more about him. Um, we can – I'm good with dismissing him if you want because that's – you've made some points. A, I think that – Ainge isn't going to let him go. I think that he sees him as a piece and that he, and that the, the greedy ways of the Celtics, he will just match whatever and he'll find a way to turn that into like a second round pick if he has to. Cause you think Kyrie's gone, right? I mean, I do. I think yeah. that there, I think that's the odds, but I, yeah, I think that they'll match. I don't know that he'll even necessarily start, but you know, he's a, he's a pretty good defender and that's kind of why I had yeah. him on this list. I did, I, I tweaked it before I put out the tweet with the, uh, the spreadsheet of all the point guards. I put him at 8 million. That feels about right to me. I could see it going to 10. I do not believe a team is out there like we're giving this guy 15 million a year. No, yeah, 15 might be a bit high. I would say in between that 
maybe eight, eight to twelve, kind of in there. Um, like you said, his defense is nice. He's gonna pick up full court. He's got good intensity there. He's not the smartest defender. He's not the smartest offensive player either. His basketball IQ is just not great. But I do think that he's a decent shooter. If you run a pick and roll, and even though I know the numbers were not great on him last year, but if you run him as the ball handler in a pick and roll, the only thing you're going to get out of it is him either pulling up a mid-range off the dribble or kicking back out to maybe someone that pick and popped or something like that. Like he, I've never seen him hit a pocket pass in my life. And that just bothers me so much to me that's like okay you can't be a starting point guard in this league without being able to hit a rolling man on a pick and roll or a cross court pass and so just sometimes the IQ isn't there but he's got the athleticism he has lateral quickness like you said it's a decent defender an okay shot so I don't know I mean there's just still things that need to come together and it's mainly decision making wise Gotcha. So he is 25, and that's yep. another thing that's to be, you know, that's an attractive feature uh, to his, to you know, you want to get a guy that can grow with the Kings, you know, he's on the right timeline, but you're right, I'm going to get him off my list because, like you said, the the attitude stuff scares me a little bit. The restrict the fact that he is a restricted free agent, you know, that complicates things. Yeah. I, I'll go ahead and scratch him off my list, but let's go to another restricted free agent, which is uh, Sadoransky. Let's talk about this guy because I know we're both pretty excited about him. Yeah, he's a lot taller than I realized. What is he? Six six, I believe. Yeah, I th- and I think that he came into the league, uh, or at least the Wizards brought him in, thinking he was going to be a small forward, honestly, or or a large two guard. Yeah, and because of that, his defense is okay. It's not because of anything but that, though. He's not the smartest defender. I don't think he moves laterally great, but he has that length. He can guard opposing ones and even switch up to, you know, 3-4, and you're okay. Um, he's efficient, but on very low attempts. So 48% from the field, 39% from deep. Very nice, but people still aren't going to respect him because he doesn't shoot it that often. Not the same level that they'll respect some of these better shooters like a Beverly, per se. Um, but you don't need him to be shooting a crazy amount, obviously. He can knock it down when he needs to. I think that he's a decent passer, and I like the size. I mean, I'm really for Sadoransky. I do think that there's a very good chance that the Wizards hold on to him, though, because they hardly they have, what, five players locked into their roster next year, and having the bird rights of Sadoransky is big. You're right about that, that they should they should absolutely hang on to him. But, I mean, can they? I mean, you know, money-wise, that yeah. team is in so much trouble. I think yeah. that Beal- a big offer could pry him away. Agreed. So what is what is a big offer? $10 million a year, I think, really puts them in hot water because they're already up over the cap just with those five guys or six guys, I guess. Exactly, and they have I a Beal extension this summer. Right, right. Oh, I guess they have a team option on Jabari, so they'll they'll let him go. Yeah. Uh. So the, yeah, they'll be rocking. They'll be they'll be they'll have twenty million in cap space with only five players. They'll have yeah. draft picks that that will take up One some of that space. <laughs> right, right. So and yeah, and that's what uh, Ariza not under contract. Sadoransky not under contract. Yeah. They're probably letting Portis go. Mm-hmm. It's Sadoransky, it, Portis, and Thomas Bryant are the restricted free agents. 
There you go. So they've got they you know maybe that's their approach is like we're just going to keep everybody try to add try to add one player and but there I feel like they have to rebuild. They could even be looking to oh, make yeah. trades for Bradley Beal. So agreed. And the and the problem with them so they have a new GM and I don't know they how that's going to don't even have one yet. That's a good point. They will have a new GM. They have fired their last GM. It, their last GM was so haphazard oh, with the way that he. We've we've talked about it before, but there was a a point in time where I'm like they could easily let Sadaransky walk because they just don't understand how to evaluate and retain talent. Yeah. So if they're going to trade away a guy like Kelly Oubre for nothing, if they're going to trade away a guy like Otto Porter for nothing, so then dumb. then why you know why couldn't we pry away Sadaransky? Yeah, I get that, and I totally agree that if you put him in that rough situation, that they're not going to throw. 10 million at Sadoransky from the Kings point of view are you are you good to offer two years 20 million oh yeah I'm happy to do it so 27 years old I'm happy to go for a third year here as well I think so uh, I've seen enough from him you know that I feel fairly confident that he'll be a plus player uh, I feel you know there's a lot of similarities between him and bogey kind of a larger point guard type uh, Sadaransky doesn't shoot with nearly the same volume, but I think he could be a better defender. You know, just giving the, the versatility of having Bogey out there, who's six four, six five, Sadaransky out there is six six, six seven. Now you've got some versatile guards. Now you've got some versatile second units that really uh, you can create some interesting matchups and and absolutely find something that works. Totally agreed. I'm. A big fan of Sadoransky here. Um, another guy that's a restricted free agent that's interesting to me is Minnesota Tyus Jones. And I think this year he broke the NBA record for, for assist to turnover ratio. And his brother does a great job of that in college. I mean, that's kind of what he's known for. He doesn't turn it over very often and he's a good assist guy. He hustles on the defensive end and is nice in that aspect. But he is 6'2", I mean, maybe a little undersized there. Doesn't shoot great, 41% from the field, 31% from deep. He's okay from the free throw line. What are your thoughts on Tyus Jones? I'm not as high on him as I am on Sadoransky. You mentioned the size. To me, that's a real thing. Because if you're bringing in Tyus Jones, he is a pure point guard. And yeah. so he will be limited to whatever minutes Fox is off the, uh, you know, off the floor. I, you know, and you could get, try to get creative and try to get fancy with it and play Fox off ball a little bit, but that's not a route I'm really interested in. So I think Tyus would be a lot more limited in his role with the Kings. Uh, you know, and I don't even see a ton of interest from Tyus if that's the only thing, you know, he's already getting that role in Minnesota. Yeah. I, I'm not sure he would be super excited to come to the Kings to basically do the same thing, continue to be kind of buried there. But I love his defense. He's a tremendous defender, tremendous uh, uh, ball thief. Uh, and without really risking uh, positional defense, without risking uh, you know giving up big plays, giving up lanes, giving up uh, passing lanes, he's able to really pester and make the right the timing decisions to to swipe at the ball. Uh, you're right. He's a great conservative offensive player. He's not a power offensive player. He's not going to score a ton, but as far as limiting mistakes, he's tremendous at that. Yeah. And also part of no turnovers. I mean, Terry Rozier's another guy that 
hardly makes turnovers, but that's because he doesn't attempt any sort of difficult passes. I don't think that it's the same for Jones, but you know, that's part of it a bit. I mean, people that have these high usages that are great passers, you're going to turn it over sometimes. So I think Tyus just a little bit of a safe passer also in a way, which isn't a knock. I mean, you like that from your backup point guard, but I agree with what you're saying. It's likely that he's going to end up staying in Minnesota after this year. Right. So I, I have interest, but I'm not sure. You know, by the end of this episode, we want to have five guys get top five uh, yeah. options for point guard and free agency for the Kings. I'm not sure I'm, I'm ready to put him on this list. Okay. And your second tier, he we're on to the third tier here, right? You had Rubio or just Joseph Sadoransky tier two? I think I'm going just Joseph Sadoransky because you talked to me out of Rozier. So yeah, I'll do Joseph Sadoransky tier two. And then this will probably, I'll keep, I'll keep Tyus in here tier three. And then I also want to talk about, uh, and you can pick and choose from here if you want to talk about whoever, but Dalon Wright, Alfred Payton, and then I would have Rajon Rondo here in talent, but I also do not like him as a player, do not like him as a king. So just going to put Dalon Wright and Alfred Payton in this tier. Yeah. So I'll start with Alfred Payton. I think that it's a big deal that he stayed healthy this whole year. And I think that he's a borderline triple-double guy. I think he's a good job at getting rebounds. His percentages are not great. I don't think he's a very big off-ball guy, which has been a big point that we've been looking for here. And yeah, I mean, the passing's okay. He's got good size to him and defensive potential, uh, key on potential because I haven't seen it enough as I'd like recently. So Peyton's interesting to me, partially because he's only 25, but that injury concern really gets me. It's, it's going to have to be on a lower contract. And I was going to say, I, could see a team spending a little bit more than need point guards, but we kind of touched on there's not many teams that are really desperate for this point guard, and I don't see the market for Peyton being too high. I don't know. He's intriguing, and if we strike out on all of the Tier 1, Tier 2, I still don't even know if he's top of Tier 3 for me. Yeah, you seem to lose momentum and interest in him as you're talking about him. Yeah. And- that's understandable. You know, we see we see the highlights and we see the box scores where he, he put up triple doubles for like a whole month almost. It, it was crazy. There was a few weeks that were just like, oh, I actually had him on a fantasy team of mine. I'm like, oh, this, I'm so glad I picked him up because he's averaging like 15, 12, and 10. Yeah. It was insane. But yeah, then you look a little bit deeper and it starts to fall away a little bit. The injuries are a huge problem. He uh, couldn't, you know, he had multiple this year that he couldn't stay on the floor. And then you also begin to realize that he's getting a lot of these numbers on teams that are very poor. Yes. He's only played on teams that are very poor. Orlando, Phoenix, and this year's Pelicans team, I mean, they were just doing whatever. They were, I mean, they were just out there putting up 130 points and not playing defense. And that's, that's what's going to inflate these types of numbers. I think that he is a pretty good passer. Uh, the turnovers are a problem. He's might maybe a little bit too risky with his, a lot of his passes. Uh, kind of the opposite of what you were saying with Tyus Jones uh, and Terry Rozier. Um, you know, he's I, I don't like his defense, but he's I think that he's a, a decent passer. His free throw percentage shot up hugely. I actually wanted the Kings to take a look at him last summer 
Um, and one of the reasons I, I didn't champion that too strongly was because he had never shot over uh, 68% from the charity stripe. And then this year it jumped up. He was like a 62, 60% field goal, uh, free throw percent. He was about 60% free throw shooter his whole career. And then he shot a, a little bit over 74% this year. Yeah, which is a big deal, but it's still a little below where I'd like it probably. Um, I, I guess that's about the range that most these, most these guys are looking that in these tier three that we're looking at. I think a good kind of gauge here is would you rather have Alfred Payton or Yogi Ferrell? It's a really tough question. It's a really tough question. And if it's a real question, I don't. You know, I mean, it's a good point, and maybe I shouldn't be thinking about him too much if I can, if I don't know for sure. Yeah, he's interesting. I understand it. You know, he's only 25, like some of these other guys. Um, the other one you mentioned was DeLon Wright, and he is restricted. I think that there's a good chance Memphis holds on to him, but you never know what's going to happen. Uh, obviously, his usage went up a lot when he went to Memphis. I think that I'm going to gauge him a little more off of his Toronto role, about 20 minutes a night. I think that that's about what he would be in here. And let's say, yeah, so throughout the Toronto role last year, he played 18 minutes, 43% from the field, 33% from deep, and 86% from the line. He's decent efficiency. I think that he passes okay. I like his defense as well. Um, the off-ball... Works okay. I think that if the price was right, which I don't think that he's actually obtainable unless we're massively overpaying, which I'm not willing to do, but if it was right, I, that was not intentional. I wouldn't mind Lon Wright. <laughs> That's a good joke. <laughs> uh, legitimately made me laugh. All right, yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I think you make a great point here. The, the Grizzlies have a ton of cap space. They'll have a ton of cap space for years. This won't be an issue for them to pay him. I said in a previous podcast that I don't think they'd match anything over $10 million, and I'll stand by that. But I also think nobody's coming at him with more than $10 million. So, yeah, I mean, he does a lot. It's going to be interesting to see how much of his play was a factor of just being on the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, you, you take a guy off of a great team, there's kind of a Warriors effect like that. We talked about with Ian Clark and guys like that. Come off the Warriors, Pat McCaw, and well, he luckily got snapped up by another great team. But you come off a great team that had a lot of tremendous players around you, a great system, a great coach, and then you kind of go, you go to Memphis, and you're just like, okay, everything's changing. Don't know about this coach. Don't know about this system. Don't don't know about a lot of these players, and it can kind of, you know, the floor can call kind of fall out from underneath you, and that's I think what might happen to him, but. You know, relatively young, 27. Uh, I like his size a lot. I think he does. I think he gives you a nice floor for a lot of skills. I think he can do pretty much everything he needs to do competently, but he's also not bringing any real uh, plus skills. So I don't know. Other than the defense and the size that I like there, I I certainly am not willing to pay whatever I think it would take to, to pry him away from Memphis. And who's the next guy you want to touch on? Are we still in tier three for you? That was my tier three. 
And, you know, you're doing a great job of scratching a lot of these guys off my list. And maybe by the end of this, I'm not even going to have tiers. I'm just going to have a, a list of one, two, three, four, five. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The King's Pulse podcast is now available on the app Podcoin. That is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's plenty of other great content as, re- as well. How it works is for regular listening, you earn one pod coin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast that you earn one and a half pod coins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can le- earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes and you can put those pod coins towards gift cards, and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download PodCoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well. I finally have one last year. And so there's a ton of guys that are going to be out there that uh, I don't feel are upgrades. I have a whole other list of those guys. It's about 25 players long that I feel are going to sign for the minimum or around there, could even be back to the G League for a lot of these guys. But I've got eight players here that are in my last tier. And one of them is Isaiah Thomas, and I don't think that I want him back. Uh, but, we, but well, at least entertain it. So here, I'm going to run down these eight players, and you can just pick and choose whoever you want to talk about here. Emmanuel Moutier, Isaiah Thomas, Ish Smith, Jeremy Lin, Jerrion Grant, Quinn Cook, TJ McConnell, and Trey Burke. Uh, the Who's, first name, go ahead. Yeah, who, anybody interested in you out of this group? I think that the difficult thing here is doing what I said earlier, and who would I have over Yogi Farrell? And it gets really difficult with this group. Moutier, I don't buy into him finally being a decent player on the New York Knicks that won, what, less than 15 games this whole year. Um, I don't buy into him, even though he's only 23. Ish Smith interests me, but it's literally Yogi Ferrell, I feel like. I mean, maybe he can run the point a little better, run an offense, but to me, it's a pretty lateral move there. TJ McConnell is... I, I like his mid-range. I mean, 52% from the field, uh, not a three-point shooter. I mean, 33% from deep on very low volume. His defense is nice, and I think that he's good in the locker room. But over Yogi, it's the same type of thing there for me. Jeremy Lin interests me a little bit more. I think that he has a little bit of a veteran presence to him in a way, but not getting any minutes on this Toronto team has been kind of interesting and I understand that they're deep you know you're not going to play them over Van Fleet at all or anything like that but I worry about Lin a bit I know that you've been decently high on him only 29% from deep this year he is 34% in his career 
So maybe just a down year there. But Lynn intrigues me a little more than probably the rest of these guys. And another one that I feel like is a really close to lateral move with Yogi is Quinn Cook. Yeah, so let me clarify on Lynn. I'm not super high on him as I as much as I am super high on his chances of being a king. There are reports out there that the team has been open uh, about their interest in Lynn, uh, at least at the trade deadline last year. So I think there's a decent chance he gets a look there. I don't know. I mean, you know, you're right. He had a very bad year. Injuries are a concern with him. But going back to you know his 28 year old season and before, he put up he put up some really nice numbers. Yeah, he's been okay, and I think that he's had a couple injury concerns. I, I don't, I don't hate him. I mean, compared to these other guys, I feel like that he has the best chance of being. A real improvement over Yogi Ferrell. You know, yeah, I think he's got a little better size. I think Quinn Cook's got a little better size. I think Quinn Cook also has a real chance to be available. We've talked about bullying these teams with uh, tax, luxury tax concerns. I don't think the Warriors can afford to pay Quinn Cook that much. I think that an offer of over $5 million will really make it hard on them. So, yeah, McConnell, I like. I'm interested in McConnell, but he's a total non-shooter. Yeah. I, These I don't guys know. interest me. It's just, I mean, how much more than Yogi? Okay, but that's maybe not a fair way to do this. Because at a certain point, not everyone can, can be better than Yogi Ferrell. But you also, we've agreed that Yogi is a good fifth guard. But if you bring on a, a guy who's just as good as Yogi, that's a good thing too. I mean, they're better than Frank Mason, right? That's fair. Yeah. So I see it as an upgrade to the roster to get any of these guys. Anyone we've talked about today, I feel is an upgrade over Frank Mason. So that That's a good point. So it's kind of about the fit, the interest, the mutual interest. Would having McConnell and Yogi as backup options, backup guards, you know, that, that, is that interesting? I think so. I don't think it's too bad. No. I mean, really someone that can guard the opposing one, and it's only the bench opposing one usually. Um, McConnell's nice there. Um, you made a really good point. I think that I do throw Ish Smith in there. He only played, what, 54 games last year, I think. And crazily, he's been on 11 different teams throughout his career. Ish Smith has just been everywhere. But I like the intangible that he gives. Um, and then Cook's a really good shooter. He's the best shooter on this list also. 40% from deep. And has shown that pretty consistently, even in this playoff run with the Warriors. So you make a really good point. Um, I think that my first tier, if we're between those four guys, because those are the ones that interest me here, um, I would put Lynn at the top and then I guess the order would be Cook, McConnell, Smith, but they're all fairly close. Yeah, I don't hate that. I, I wonder, we've talked about this concept before, but Moutier is younger than everyone we talked about today, except yeah. for D'Angelo Russell. He's the same age as D'Angelo Russell. They're both 23. Almost everyone on this list. Oh, and I'm sorry, uh, Tyus Jones as well. But for the most part, we're looking at guys that are 25, 26, 27, 
and then some more veterans in the 30, uh, 31 range. Damn, he is no, five. No interest at all in Moody. I, I know he's a like one of the least efficient players in the game, but no interest at all in Moody. Hmm. I guess there's some. I liked your pitch. Um, he is six five. It's a little bit on the bigger side. Did shoot thirty three percent from deep this year after nineteen last year. So uh, don't exactly know how reliable that is, but. That was also only on 22 games last year, only 59 this year. There's only two years where he played over 60 games. That's a concern for me, too. Um, you know, do I take a risk on a minimum contract? I don't hate that because I did like some of the things I saw from New York. I just don't trust it to keep up because he's not going to be seeing 27 minutes a game like he did last year. And I'll also note with him... He's very unlikely to be retained. The, you know, he might as well be unrestricted because the the uh, the Knicks, excuse me, yeah, big dreams. The, the Knicks got those big dreams. They don't. They're probably not even going to give him a qualifying option. They'll just they'll they'll just rescind him, let him go, let him walk away. So, uh, you know, I think there's something interesting. But what I wanted to get at is, would you rather have a guy 23 or a guy who's 30 give that vet presence? I feel like you'd prefer a veteran. I would, and especially if it's a guy that I know what I'm getting, which these don't quite feel that way. Maybe Jeremy Lin falls under that, even though he has some question marks. I'd rather have a veteran presence and know what I'm getting than a young guy that maybe can be something. I feel like we have enough young guys on this team. All right, let me describe someone to you, and maybe you can tell me, you can figure out who I'm talking about here. He played over a 1,000 minutes this year. His... Per 36 stats are 20 points per game, five assists. He shot 35 from three and 43 from the field with an 83% free throw rate. Who do you think I'm talking about? It is on this list. Hmm. And the year before that, he played a little less than a thousand minutes, averaged uh, 20 or 21 points per 36 minutes Almost eight assists for 36 minutes. The free throws weren't as hot. The shooting was down a little bit. He, had, you know, but still 36 from three. Who, do, who am I talking about here? I really don't know. Um, what do you say this? The shooting splits were uh, over the last two years uh, between 35 and 36 from three. 83 uh, percent this year free throw percentage. So this year 43. 35-83 were his free throw were his uh, field goal three point and free throw splits. Hmm. Let's go with I don't know. Is it it's not Moody, eh? It's Trey Burke. Okay. Interesting. I didn't think he played that many minutes, but that makes sense in New York. Yeah, I mean Moody they kind of they kind of like traded off being uh-huh. injured and, mm-hmm. and being unavailable. Uh so yeah. And then eventually, you know, Burke went to to Dallas in that oh, trade. Oh, I forgot the, about that. The Przingis trade, but so yeah, he only played fifty eight games total, but you know, almost twenty minutes a game across those, uh, over eleven points per game, about three assists. You know, I I mean, you you once said to me that uh, he's the best shooter in two K, right? I don't think so. No, was that not you? I, no. I, I read some, maybe it was from someone else. Someone was saying that they did like a whole, some website did a whole breakdown of shooting mechanics in 2K. And 
who like there's like numbers or whatever like you know there's like all right your stat for three point shooting is 99 because your stuff yeah. curve whatever but like the functionality of it like at what point can you press the shoot button and let it go and it actually goes in Trey yeah. Burke was the best shooter in 2K and obviously it was a like a a, was a flawed video game situation. like that's obviously you've got something wrong with your video game if that's the case but, but I thought that I was picking all these guys based on who I want to play with the Kings in 2K <laughs> yeah, exactly uh I, that's a throwaway there but he's a small dude so yeah. that's an issue did you the know def- he was the ninth overall pick in 2013 I did know that because it's uh, – I actually I had to compile a bunch of top 10 point guard stuff, and I was so shocked by it. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, him and Johnny Flynn were the – Oh, God. Were the Timberwolves uh, point oh, guards of the he future. he was the other one. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. I didn't even realize. My issue with Burke is that he's just all offense. I need someone that – has some defensive potential, at least hustles on that end of the ball. And I just don't see that from Trey Burke. He's also 6'1". Uh, defense, like we talked about at the beginning, is is a big thing for me with these guys. Completely agree. He's too small, and he's he's giving you nothing on defense. But the question that you keep asking is, is, is he an upgrade to Yogi Ferrell? And I think there's, a, there's an argument to be made here. Because Ferrell's not giving you these things. No, that's fair. And the numbers, that did really surprise me. That Trey Burke was not who I would have thought. Right. I mean, the assist percentage is way better with Burke. Uh, you know, the turnover percentage is better with Burke compared to compared to Yogi. I don't know. I mean, they're very similar in their, their mold. They're offensive spark plugs. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I certainly don't feel like it's a clear upgrade, and it's an upgrade you'll feel. But uh, I mean, we're only similar guys. Contracts at this point with yeah with Burke or Farrell, I had them at uh, three and a half million or less. So yeah, yeah. So then, of those last kind of tier of guys, who's say your top two, top three? I think Lynn is in there for the veteran presence. Uh, we didn't talk about IT at all, which is interesting, but I think that says a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. our not speaking about him speaks volumes. That's so, my guy, too, but I just can't do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put Lynn in there near the top. I'll put Quinn Cook in there in the top, near the top because he's got the uh, the elite skill, the shooting. I don't really trust him to run an offense, but if you want to give him 10 minutes, 12 minutes a night, I think that kind of helps. That maybe takes a little bit of pressure off of bogey i wouldn't mind cooking there just setting up around the three-point line um yeah ishmith is interesting i think that he, i don't know that he's better than yogi i think he's a little smarter a little bit savvier but he's he is an rfa which is which is weird for a 30 30 year old guy but i'll yeah i think i think i'm in agreement with you about lynn and cook and then i'll also go mcconnell there just as as to be a little bit different is there anybody you feel like we didn't talk about? I think we went through most of it. I think we got them all. There's one guy that I guess is worth talking about very briefly, or two guys here that are under contract but might be out of it. Uh, Goran Dragic. Dra- How do you say this, man? Dragic, Help me out. I think. Dragic. Goran Dragic. He 
has a player option for $18 million. He's very likely to accept it, in my opinion. However, I've heard rumors that he could decline it and try to get a multi-year deal with more guaranteed money. Like If he feels like he could get a three-year, $30 million deal, maybe he wants to do that. He's 33 years old. Interesting. And it, Do you have any interest for him on the Kings? Because I, uh, I don't know. You know, I haven't heard that at all, and I hesitate to believe it because, like you said, it is, what, $18, $19 million? So it's just a whole lot of money. He got overpaid ridiculously, and I think that he is a starting caliber point guard. I don't really see it for the Kings. I think that, I mean, if I can get Drogic for three years, $30 million, I think that's a great backup point guard, but is he happy in that role? I don't know. I think that if he's leaving Miami all that money— it's for a longer term situation and uh, still a high role. I think that he'd still be looking to start somewhere, which really, I mean, like we said, it's just Orlando's a really big one. I mean, Orlando has a lot of money. If they get rid of Ross, Vucevic, maybe trade Fournier, something like that, um, he's not going to go back to Phoenix. I, I don't hate it as a backup point guard. I just don't see it as very likely. Yeah, I see it as unlikely as well. I think it could happen if a team were to say, hey, you know, decline that, we'll give you two years, $15 million per year. I don't think that's out of the possibility, or the possibilities, or, or three years, $10 million. He is 33. He's got a lot of injury history. Um, and I think the most likely scenario, if he does decline, is that he stays in Miami, and, you know, they convince him to stretch that money out a little bit because they're in, they're in luxury tax. Yeah, they're screwed. Uh, they got issues. So um, I don't think it's worth talking about that much. There's a few guys out there that I would like to pick up if they are released from the non-guarantee, Tyron Wallace and Shaquille Harrison, but don't see it super as super likely. What about Tony Parker if he is waived I from that $5 million non-guarantee? I thought of this one earlier today, and I'm glad you mentioned it because I forgot. I really like the idea of Parker. I don't think that he's a great contributor on the floor, but you know how I am about this veteran presence. I think Tony Parker is freaking amazing at that. Kembo was praising him like crazy. Of course, I would love Tony Parker as his backup point guard. He is 37. That is interesting. Uh, if we're talking like one year, I mean, one year, maybe two. I, I like it. Okay. All right. So let's wrap up here. We've got pretty much everybody covered. Let's wrap up by – this is a fun little exercise. Can I ask, did your priority in what you're looking for in a guy change it all through this conversation? Yeah, I think that I narrowed the list a lot with your help trying to figure out the fit. And so uh, guys like Rozier, I knocked off the list. Dalon Wright, cut him off the list. Even uh, Alfred Payton, I feel like, is not really under consideration for me anymore. Rubio, the fit, I don't see as being being right. Yeah. Okay. I think that I realized how much I value playing off ball. I think that it was, I knew it a bit with being bogey, you know, having the ball in his hands a lot. But some of these guys just, it seems like there's not really a chance of them even being able to do that. Guys like Payton and Rubio, like you said. It's a great point because we've already got a guy who can't uh, play anywhere but but the one. I mean, to be an upgrade over Yogi, you've really got to be big enough, 
to to play a little bit of two and, and ideally even defend a little three. So that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, no, let's wrap up with uh, an exercise here. We can uh, kind of determine our top five options for for point guard free agents by I wanted to ask you, I'll put it to you and I'll, I'll try to match you as well. If you got, if you can only make one offer as the Kings to a free agent this year, tell me who you're offering the amount of years and the dollar amount. You only get one, one shot here. Okay. And this isn't like, you know, they're guaranteed to accept or this is like, you get one pitch. You get one pitch. Yeah. Hmm. Let me go. Three years, it's a little steep. Three years, forty million for Patrick Beverly. Honestly, I love that, <laughs> and it's crazy because he is he he has never really made this money before no. or anything like he, it. He's he hasn't broke thirty million throughout his whole career. That's, that's insane. He, his highest ever salary was six and a half million. Yeah, that's insane. So. I think that's a brilliant offer, and I think that there's a real chance that if he gets a forty million guaranteed offer, that that's the type of thing that he he could come and be a king. Agreed. I'm all for it. Like we said, this is my number one guy. I mean, this there's that veteran presence, the intensity and heart that he adds to this team. To me, it's like a Jimmy Butler type thing, except not the same ego demand, and there's not the risk almost and we talked about it i think that the kings could handle jimmy butler because they hustle and do play defense i love it i love it it would be so great to watch him mentor fox into one of the best defenders in the league co-sign i co-sign that now let's let's scratch him off the list interestingly real quick i saw a thing yovan buho was saying that he thinks that it's between two to four years for beverly and it, it and in between eight and ten million dollars was his range. He said that if it's lower, they like two years, twenty million, ten year a piece, and that if it's a longer, then it'd be about four years, eight million. You're looking in there, four years, thirty two, which is interesting to me. I he knows what he's talking about, but that just seems so low. Yeah, I mean the injury history, I think, is yeah, built into that. W- that was the concern. If the length is there. So I love three years forty. Uh, I think that's perfect. Say, say he's off the table. Say he signs somewhere else. Now everyone else is still available that we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Make your make your offer. You get one offer. It's going to Corey Joseph, and it's going to be how old is Joseph? Twenty seven. Hmm. Give me. Let's go three years and mm, eight, 16, tw- 25. Three years, 25. So a little yeah. bit over eight, <clears throat> eight per. Yeah. Which might be a little high. I don't think so. I don't think that's high. I, I think that's about right. I'll tell you though, a lot of teams will have their MLE. So they could go up into the nine million range, a little bit over nine million, to grab him. I wonder if you not if you don't go over up to ten to so thirty. Are you thinking three years? I'm thinking three years thirty is a little bit tough for a guy that's not an offensive. Yeah. Uh, plus, uh, is is really going to actually drag the offense down when he's in there? I I mean, would two years twenty get it done, or even two years twenty five? 
That interests me. I mean, mm, the 225, I get the yeah. logic. I mean, we've talked about it that this is the year to be spending money before you're going to have to throw it at these young guys in extensions or contracts, anything like that. I, I get it. Two year, I'm good with two years 20. But I wonder. I wonder if Joseph would want either two years or four years because he's 27. So if he takes a two-year deal, he's coming back onto the market in his 20s still. If he takes that four-year deal, that's just great. That's gravy. He, you know, as many years as he can, as much money as he can, much guaranteed money as he can. But I wonder if he might want like a even a one plus one or something to. I could see that. And get another next long contract. contract. Yeah, exactly. I could see that. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm good with your two years in between 20 and 25. Now, does that get it done? For Joseph, if, especially if you're offering 25, I think it does. Okay, I think two years 25 would be really interesting. I would also, honestly, I would also really consider four years 40. Hmm. I know that's a lot, but listen, he is... We've, he's already proven to be a great defender. And we, yeah. we know, we've identified that was the number one thing we wanted. was a point guard who's going to give you plus defense. A backup point guard is a plus defender. I think that I could make it work because even, can you imagine uh, putting, you know, playing Corey against, you know, next to Buddy? I mean, I feel like that's still a functional backcourt. That's true. I can, I can get around to 40 or 40. He's definitely my number two after Beverly. I kind of like four year forty because we're again we're talking about you know as the Kings so in this hypothetical you you're running the Kings that's the kind of offer that gets him to the Kings yeah and do you think that two year twenty five because it doesn't make sense to me of him taking that two year and then being able to get one more max while he's at the end of his twenties not max but long term contract do you think that two year twenty five is enough I think that it might not be because I think that another team will be out there offering one year 10 or one year 15. And at, at, in that scenario, he could just take that and try to try to get that other 10 million guaranteed uh, yeah. the, the following season. That makes sense. Okay. So if it was two years, I mean, to your 30, is it much? That's, too, see, that's just too high at this yeah. point, I, I think. So I, I'll I'll put out there 440 for Joseph. If, if that's too much for you, you can you can veto it, but that's what I like. I don't mind it. I'm good with keeping that. All right. So now we got Beverly off the board. We got Joseph off the board. You get one offer. Who is it? It is Thomas Sadoransky, and I will go, hmm, let's go three years and – it's called $35 million. It's steep, but you're giving me this one offer. You said three years, 35 Yeah. Why not 440 again? Same age as Joseph. It's not bad. I guess the same thing's fine. I mean, they're, they're, I think they're in the same tier for us, right? Yes. I hesitate because I almost, for some reason, wanted to put Sadoransky a bit above because I feel like he's more versatile and well-rounded. But yeah. You got a real case there, especially yeah. with the size. So, yeah, 40 or 40 is okay. For some reason, I feel like Sadoransky could pull more money than Joseph, though. All right, how about four years, 50? That'll get him. I mean, the, the, Wizards, aren't, the, the Wizards aren't matching that. And remember, and you got you to gotta get him. He's an RFA, too, so you got to yeah. get him. Yeah. Yeah. 12 and a half a year. Um, I'm not too upset with it. 
I, I could live with that. I'll co-sign that. Okay. And he's definitely my next one. I think that we agreed that I think we're past tier one and tier two now for both of us, right? Yes. This is that we're past the the ideal options now. Exactly. So, so that's our one, two, three right there. Okay. How about uh, should we do four or five, or do you just want to cut it there? Is, it, is there anyone else out there that you feel strongly about? I like Tyus Jones. Um, All right. All right. I think that pulling him away might take a bit also. I mean, I'm not – I mm, I'm thinking about your 40 or 40. It's definitely higher. That's rich. Yeah. Uh, for your – 35? I mean, I really don't mind that. Like you said, he's one of the youngest guys on this list. 23. He's tied for the youngest guy on this list. I, I really like Tyus Jones. I'm good with... If he takes a four-year 35, I'm all for it. 435. Man. I don't know. I don't know that I can get there because he's he's never going to do anything but play the one. And and we already have That's a superstar, superstar one. I almost in that if that's the option, I almost would rather sign Jeremy Lin to a one year five million dollar deal. Yeah, I, I get that. I don't know. I I'm just really high on Tyus Jones. I've always really liked him. Alright, so here's the thing though. In this scenario, Beverly, Joseph, Sadaransky are gone. And you only get one offer. So that means if he doesn't accept this or if the the you know, okay. the Timberwolves match, you don't get any of these guys. Yeah. You're rolling out Frank Mason next year. Okay. I understand. I understand. Um, hmm. If I'm talking only next year, I like your one year, five million Jeremy Lin. I feel like that is the best chance of getting it done. And we've talked on Lin is one of these guys in this last tier of ones that you don't prefer where I'm, I'm good with. Okay. I think that it probably gets it done. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could even go one, seven and a half, one year, seven and a half. If you really want to make sure yeah, it's which done, I don't think you need to. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'll do, I'll give, I'll give him one, one, five, one, six. I think that's, that'll do it. Okay. If would you, you were, do, would you, you do two ten? Um, I don't feel like you need to. And, I would hesitate a little because there was that injury history and he just played really down this year. I wouldn't mind it, but I don't feel like you need to do it. Agreed. I'll, I'll co-sign one five. Okay. Would now, you rather, would you rather have Jeremy Lin on that one five or the four year 35 for Tyus? I would rather have Lin uh, really? as the offer, but if you're saying if, they both if accept, Tyus accepted, yeah. See, I don't know if we can assume that. Yeah, it, it's weird. I'm just curious how you feel about Tyus. I know we touched on it a little, but... I like him, but it's just... He'll never, ever, ever play more than 15 minutes a game for the Kings. So hmm. I just don't see it as a real elite option. Yeah, I understand what you mean. that he He's too small. I mean, yeah. he's just too small. Yeah. It doesn't change the dynamic enough for me. That's fair. That's fair. But if you want to stick with Tyus at number five here, you can. No, or... if we're going for that I only have one offer that pretty much the guy needs to accept it. Like you said, or I'm stuck with Frank. I'm going the one-year five on Lynn. All right, so that was number four. Oh, God. 
if we want to hit number five, you got some guys out there. You can make that big offer to Tyus Jones. You can make, listen, Alfred Payton's unrestricted. He's available. Yeah. He's 25. And then there's also guys like Ish Smith is also 30, give you a veteran presence. He is restricted, though. And then how about a guy like Cook or McConnell we talked about? Yep. Maybe get those guys for cheap. McConnell's unrestricted. Definitely once out of Philly, I feel like, at this point. Uh, Cook, you you offer him two years, $10 million. I don't think the Warriors are matching that. No. Um, I'm probably going with that Tyus offer. Um, and then the next guy, I actually think that it's Moutier for the upside. Compared to Ish Smith would be in there because I do like that veteran like we talked about. But if I could get like a two-year... Eight million, nine million on Moutier. I'm not too upset with that. As All a right. fifth, as a fifth option in this, you know. I got you. I got you. I think we are, we broke broke down after the top three yeah. because we got too much. We got too much where we we don't quite line it's up. Much, but hey, if you're desperate and it's Frank Mason that you're having to play, then what are we going with? Right, right. But at least we got a solid top three. We can agree. It's one Beverly, two Joseph, three Sadaransky. Agreed. Uh, yeah, so I think that wraps up our point guard coverage, uh, free agency point guard preview here. I think so. And just so everyone keeps an eye out, um, Rich will be putting out the, that spreadsheet for the point guards. I think we saw maybe we'll put out an updated one, and we'll be doing that for the rest of these free agents that we do based on position and I'll be doing video breakdowns. So I believe that when this episode is out, it likely will be attached with a defensive breakdown and we'll probably stick to these top three guys. So I'll put together the defense side by side of Beverly, Joseph Sadoransky, and then a bit of their playmaking in a separate video and their shooting as well in a video. So keep an eye out for that. And we'll probably get a little bit more information from watching those as well that we'll touch on a little bit, maybe at the beginning of the next episode. Sounds good, man. I'm excited about it. That is going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. Thank you to everybody for tuning in and listening. Hope you have a great rest of your day and you will hear from us again in the middle of the week.